Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast, season four, season four finale. We are in episode 21, and we have back with us Ryan Manning and Daniel Manning, the ministers for the Somerville Church of Christ, and we're thankful that they have an opportunity to be with us today. This topic is an interesting one. It is the church I don't attend. There are so many churches in life that we've all attended. Y'all traveled a little bit more growing up and going to different congregations and some things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And so you know a little bit more about churches you've attended and not attending anymore. I grew up going to a few different congregations as well. And so I get looking at churches that I love, that I grew up going to, that I no longer worship at, but I still count them as home. Uh, it, It is funny. I've only been gone less than a year from Somerville, but there's still that habit of saying we, you know, because you get into the habit for five years of saying we need to do this or we're doing this. And so I'll talk about Somerville sometimes and I'll say, it's crazy to think that we don't have, or we've got this or they're doing this. And it's like, oh, they. Yeah. You still feel like a part of it. Exactly. And it's in large part because they're family. Y'all are family to me and I'm, I'm counting Mm -hmm. the congregation there as family. But today we're talking about the churches we don't attend because there is a difference and how we approach and how we act. I know that the first elders meeting in October after I had left, nobody called me to tell me what was talked about with the elders and preachers. And that's how it works. I'm no longer a minister there. I don't need to know things anymore of that nature. Now, sometimes maybe a member will call or they'll keep me informed on something that's going on with someone who's sick or having a problem, but I'm not in the know like I once was. I'm also not in the know like the elders are. None of us in this room are in the know truly like the elders are. There's some things they know that we'll probably never know, and that's a blessing for us. But if I get involved in always like calling the elders or trying to call you guys and pump you for information, hey, what's going on? What's the latest? I'm kind of caught up in the church that I no longer attend, and I'm being too invested in that congregation. So we'll start with Ryan. And we need to ask the question, how did God set up the churches that meet to function? What was the desire for those churches? Well, God wants congregations to, first of all, be under Christ. Um, the, when, you, when you look at the organization of a congregation, Jesus is overall, but on a congregational level, he wants the elders— to rule over the church. You look, for example, in, I believe it's Titus chapter 1, where he says, um, I left you in Crete, or for this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou should set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. So if there's a congregation in every city, there should be elders over that. You don't see elders being established in regions where they rule over several different congregations, you do see the apostles doing that. They, they had authority over the whole church, but there was a very limited number of, tho- of those, and, well, they've died. Right. So the, the pattern now is every congregation has elders that rule over the church, and those elders are answerable to Christ. Autonomy is a blessing. Uh, the, the idea of having autonomy, you know, the three of us are married. We all have children. 
and we can therefore offer opinions on how to do different things in regards to how to be a good husband or a good father. But the autonomy that our relationships have among each other means that neither one of us could say, you must do it my way. Hmm. You've got to love your wife and treat her like I treat my wife. That's the only way you're going to be a good person. Well, no. My wife and I, we have a relationship that's different from Brian. I knew I was going to do that. I always call Bryn Brian, okay? Just so you all know, it's a a running joke. It's just a habit. Bryn and Daniel, your relationship is so much different from mine and Megan's. Same with Ryan and Rebecca with any of the others. It's either way we go. Autonomy gives me the right to govern the way that I see fit so long as it falls in line with God's authority. And his scripture. And so churches can say, like Somerville, which I love this, by the way, and I miss it tremendously, we're going to have church services at 9, 10, and 11. Autonomy gives them that right. They didn't have to do that. There was not a verse in the New Testament that says, and in order to be pleasing to God, your services must be 9, 10, and 11 a.m. Isn't the only time mentioned... For church services in the scripture, Paul preaching till midnight. Yeah. (laughs) The only time. You know, and you've got the autonomy to then say, hey, we're going to have, we talked about this on this season with sports. I mentioned that I'm not really a fan of people bashing elderships for saying we're going to move our services up because this Super Bowl is happening and we're going to move our services up a couple of hours earlier that Sunday and then we're going to have a fellowship meal after and watch the game together. The reason I have a problem with people harping on that is nobody gets really onto the eldership when they say, you know, New Year's Eve this year is Wednesday night. And for the safety of all of our members so that they're not driving home with people who might be under the influence of alcohol or maybe they want to travel and be with family, we're going to move our midweek study this week to Thursday. Under the influence of alcohol, you mean the other drivers right. on the road, That's right. right? The people who are driving, not, not the members. Well, well know, since well, all of our members are going to be well, trashed. S- some some members uh, <laughs> probably do that, but not not the faithful ones. Um, if you have a problem, please get help. So you've got an issue there where we, and I made the statement, we can't say one is okay and not the other because a holiday is no different from a championship football game. It's not more holy It's the same thing. You're just moving it around, but it's more acceptable because I want to go be with family. If we're going to give autonomy to every congregation, then every congregation has a right to govern itself the way that they see fit in every matter of opinion and even in matters of discretion. Can I make a point of clarification? Yes. I don't give autonomy to every cup. Um, you said if we're going to give, oh well, if, we if need we're to recognize... going to make sure that autonomy has been given by God, that's right to every congregation. Yes, and if I give it to them, no. Um, <laughs> if God gives autonomy and says you govern it how you see fit, just like He gave me autonomy for my family, you govern the family with your wife and you figure it out how y'all see fit. Make sure it's within my guidelines of being a good family, though. But you do it however you want. If you want bedtime to be eleven p.m. Bedtime can be 11 p.m. If you want to do it how you want to do it, as long as you're not committing a transgression, it's your call. Ryan? 1 Peter 5 speaks to the or yeah, 1 Peter 5 speaks to the elders. And in verse 2, he tells them, feed the flock of God which is among you. Mm-hmm. So elders are responsible for the congregation where they are. Right. And that's, that's important. And that's our next question. 
can we police the brotherhood? Daniel. Well. Or is it okay? I know we can't. We we can do a lot of like, I could kill you right now. It doesn't mean I shouldn't. Oh, no. could, you, could you though, Michael? I mean, I'm pretty spry. <laughs> There's a lot of things that people can do. I can commit sin. It doesn't mean that I should. Well, the question isn't, the question isn't, does policing happen? Right. Because it does. Right. And we see it happen, and people who are listening could probably, each one of them, pull a different example up of cases where they've seen another person police, or usually it's in a public forum or mm-hmm. public way where people bring a eldership or a different church that they don't attend to task and say, here's why I think you're wrong, and here's how I think you need to change. Uh, yeah, so the question isn't if that happens, it certainly does. The question is, is that okay? Mm-hmm. Um, for example, in Scripture, what I would go to would be 1 Corinthians 6. And the first 10 verses, 11 verses, before you get to 11, most of us go to 1 Corinthians 6 for the passage, such were some of you, but mm-hmm. you have been washed. But the context leading up to that is, is it okay to sue your brethren? Right. Bring them to court over some issue that you've had internally. Mm. And I'm not bringing that up specifically to talk about, is it okay to legally do things against your brother? But the the logic that Paul brings out there is not, it's okay or it's wrong to sue. It's you're Christians, and the rest of the world is watching. Why would you go to a court of law with ungodly people? And my question would be, why would we present something to the world where they would look and say, these people can't get along, and other congregations are at war with each other over things that they should be dealing with internally— and the rest of the world is going to see it, mm-hmm. and then they're going to look at it and say, well, they're just like us. Yeah, They have just the same problems that we do. Uh, and so I would look at that, and there's a—it's in verse 6, it says, but brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. And Paul's pretty much bringing out, why are you acting like the world? Why are you yeah. being like the unbeliever? And so to police the brotherhood, if what Ryan talked about, the elders are autonomous over a congregation, they're supposed to feed the flock that's here with them now. As an individual member or as just a normal person that's attending a church, I don't have any right to go to another congregation and supersede what the elders have to say Mm -hmm. and bring them to task and say, here's why you're wrong, you need to repent of these things. Leave that to the eldership that's there. Yeah. Uh, and then don't make a scene about most of the stuff that's being brought into church politics these days. And naturally, all three of us have friends that will maybe from time to time call us and they'll talk about issues they're experiencing in their congregation. Ryan, we've we've had conversations even since I've left about different things that happened throughout the brotherhood that we've seen and heard about. And what, what do you think about this particular belief or that belief? In those moments, we're not policing the brotherhood. We're having a conversation 
about a situation that's taking place where what do we do with this mindset? What do we do with this belief? And in that regard, I'm not policing anybody. Policing is when I go and say through social media or even to other congregations, you cannot do such and such with that person because of such and such. That's policing. Policing is kind of the idea of Sam and, and Tobiah in, in the book of Nehemiah, where they were trying to govern what he was involved in doing and making it, you can't do a thing without our permission and authority. Ryan? Well, there's a difference between like what you mentioned. There's when I when I'm speaking to you about something that has happened in another place, mm-hmm. I need to decide how I'm going to react to things. If I see somebody acting a certain way, I need to decide: Am I going to condone that, especially in a converse or in a congregation? Am I going to encourage the people around me to follow their example? Mm-hmm. And you see congregations being examples to the other congregations, like Corinth and Macedonia were examples to each other. Corinth in that they gave, um, in that they wanted to help, and Macedonia in that they gave liberally, even though they were poor. Right. So I can respond to the example that I see in other places, and I have to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's different from you know, deciding how I'm going to act and encourage the people around me to act, that's different from, you know, then going and making a big scene about it, especially on places like Facebook. Yeah. Okay, so that's something I wanted to bring up too. Uh, There have been times in summer series or gospel meetings or something where I've been told and other preachers have been told, this is a problem we're having in our congregation, can you please address it in a sermon? In that moment, number one, I've always looked at it as I'm employed that week by the church. I've been asked to come in and work for a week with that congregation and preaching every service that they have. And so it's be it'd be the same thing as me preaching at Somerville or preaching anywhere else. I'm hey, the local minister that week. You're still under the authority of an eldership asking and, you to do something. Exactly. And so when I get up and say something, then I'm not policing the brotherhood in that moment, I'm not policing anything. I'm basically saying this. Here's what the Bible says on a subject that I've been asked to preach. And there are many times where people hide behind that in podcasting. They hide behind that in doing any type of live stream work where they will use an opportunity to bash and berate people. Or even as we know in some cases, they hide behind it in writing, and they will write about things and try to police and bash people for things that they think they shouldn't be doing, and they think that that's okay. Under what authority are you using to discuss those matters? If it's not an eldership's authority to discuss them, if it's not a specific, I have the authority to talk about this congregation's problems, then what am I doing on Facebook, podcasting, social media in general, talking about it? Jesus did not go around doing stuff like that. Even with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus did not go around and telling the disciples, you should have heard what I said to them today. You should have heard how I got them because they they tried to get me in this moment, and I said this, and nobody could answer me. Or they tried to do this, and they couldn't get me. Jesus also didn't come in there and say, all right, Let's go to the synagogues and let's flip every table possible. Let's go here and let's do this. Let's do that. Jesus' mindset was, 
I'm going to do the work, and I will address the issues as they come up. And he even told his disciples, there are many things I want to tell you in John chapters 12 through, or 14 through 16. There's many things I want to tell you. You can't handle them all just yet. So the Spirit, John chapter 16, verses 12 through 14, he's going to come. He's going to guide you into all the truth that you need from me. And so therefore, when Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, or he writes to the church in Corinth, or he writes to any of the congregations that had the issues that they had and dealt with the problems, he's not policing the brotherhood in the sense of doing something that, hey, you have to do it my way. He had what Ryan mentioned in one of our previous episodes. He's an apostle. He is ultimate authority on earth from God to be able to write on these matters and tell people, you better get in line. You better change. I don't have that same authority. And unfortunately for a lot of people, the word church politics was mentioned earlier. A lot of people have a good following behind their name. They've worked hard. They've gained such a following, and they're able to say things, and people will listen. And sometimes that is the most dangerous thing that a church can experience because a person will have a good backing and a good following, and then they feel entitled to say whatever comes to mind on any issue. We don't need that. That's not something that we need to be doing. But there is, in my opinion, an exception to this rule. And I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk about this exception before we close out our podcast for the season. What is the exception to what we would consider to be policing the brotherhood, going after churches? When, when is it okay for me to say something negative about a church? I would, I would point towards if a church has specifically gone down the path of false doctrine and error, mm -hmm. and they're they're actively teaching that, then it would be hard for me to want to associate with them on a equal footing when if I worship with them or if I have things to do with them, they're going to be teaching people false doctrines specifically. Or if they've gone against the doctrine that you can read in the New Testament and they say, well, we don't see that anymore. Mm -hmm. We want to change with the times and uh, become something else. Mm -hmm. Well, then... I think I believe Ryan mentioned earlier the congregations have a lot to do with each other, especially on a local level, like Corinth and Macedonia. Uh, if local congregations around just our area here, if one of the congregations that I bring my youth group to and associate with, if they just go down the path of false doctrine, I'm going to try to fix the false doctrine or disassociate myself with them. But I can't not I can't fail to fix the false doctrine and then say, well, you know, we're gonna be fine. Yeah. Everything's okay. I'll just keep doing everything that we used to do with you like everything's okay. Because we have to make a stand on what we believe in. Uh but I think there has to be a differentiation from what we've been talking about before. How we go about making that stand, uh, it can be very it can be very wrong when we make a public stand for the rest of the world to see our disagreements on doctrinal issues on certain things that we have. Even though it might be the right thing to do, there, there is a best, there's a best and a better way to do something. Ryan? Well, there's a principle in counseling and that of if you tell your counselor something, they're going to maintain confidentiality 
you go to a counselor and they're going to tell you that. I'll maintain confidentiality and there are a few exceptions. Um, if you express to me that you are thinking of doing harm to yourself or others, mm -hmm. then I have a responsibility, not just the, uh, not just an ability, but a responsibility yeah. to tell other people and to have this handled. And I think th this principle is, is sort of the same. If, if somebody is teaching something and they are actively doing harm, doctrinal harm to themselves and to others, I don't just have the ability to step in, but I have a responsibility to make sure that I'm protecting as many people as I have the, as many people as I'm able to protect. Right. So that would be the exception. Uh, when I'm teaching false doctrine or, or practicing in a way that's hurting people um, and hurting them spiritually. Right. Then, then that would be a that'd be a good metric to use. Yeah, I've always told people when they call me about a problem, uh, I will be confidential to a point. But if if I had a teenager call me and say, "Well, I'm I'm involved in drugs," and um, you know, the other night I got into a hit and run, I can't keep that confidential anymore. That needs to be able to be told. And at that point, I'm not mean. I'm not somebody who is trying to cause them harm. I'm trying to do the right thing. And I think there's therein lies the difference with churches. Well, in fact, <clears throat> in that situation, if you kept quiet and you didn't tell somebody, you would be you'd be wrong. Mm -hmm. And you would be held you could be held legally accountable for not addressing the situation where you see there's harm involved. Right. So what about if you if somebody is actively perverting the scriptures and hurting pe people because they have influence. Right. If you see that harm being done, is it okay just to sit back if you're in a position where you can change it? Like if I, if I'm seeing some, you know, if I hear about something that's happening up in Michigan, I might not be the person to step in and, and solve that problem. But right. if I am in a position to where I can do something again if it's my lane mm -hmm. if there's some way that i'm connected to this like daniel mentioned i'm bringing my youth group in and meeting with other congregations and if one of those other congregations all of a sudden starts putting out stuff that goes contrary to what the scriptures say then it's a responsibility that i have and that would be the exception. And I think sometimes, too, with Daniel, what you're saying, and then I'll throw this to y'all's final comments, it doesn't always require that Daniel get up in the middle of a Devo and say, uh, what did you just say? Would you would you clarify that for me? And oftentimes, you can say a lot by not even saying anything, by just simply saying, we're no longer going to be doing anything with this congregation. Uh, growing up, uh, you know, there were some congregations that were in our area, in the Memphis area that I grew up in, and we didn't do anything with them. And we did stuff with a lot of other congregations. And so the, the quick understanding that I gained was this. We're not doing something with these other congregations because of two reasons. One, they might be too far. Uh, Somerville was an hour and 15 minutes away at the time from South Haven. We really didn't get to do a whole lot with them. Has That's, it gotten closer? 
Well, I think with some of the highways that have opened up, yes, actually. <laughs> uh, they've opened up, what is it, 269 all the way through or whatever that, now? That or three, is true. Whatever. Uh, so take that. Um, <laughs> but we, we weren't going to be able to do lawyered. We weren't going to be able to do much with Somerville back then. We did a lot with Forest Hill. did a lot with Olive Branch and Nesbitt and some of these other congregations that are in our area. But the other reason we wouldn't do something with a congregation, if it wasn't for distance, it was for doctrine. And that tells me a lot because when someone calls me and says, hey, do you know anything about this church? What's the name? They give me the name. If I type it in to my maps application on my phone and it says they are 10 minutes away from you, and I think, hmm, have they always been 10 minutes away? Go to their website. Look up the history. We've been here since 1948. What are they doing? Okay, so why don't I know about them? How come I've never done anything with them? That's usually a good barometer to know they're probably not sound. So, Daniel, Ryan, thank you guys so much for being on this episode the last three weeks. Uh, Do you all have anything you want to add about this particular question about when churches are teaching doctrine, how to handle it? No, I think this is good. Okay. Ryan? I just want to say it's been a tremendous honor. A tremendous honor and a privilege. (laughs) I'm so glad. I'm so grateful that you invited me. Um. I'm glad that it didn't take more than four seasons yeah. to invite me. You've been on before, though. You <laughs> I, were on in the summer. I know. I'm just yeah. I'm just messing with um, you. Well, I'm glad you guys were on for the last three weeks. I'm glad we got to work together for five years and for five months. And uh, I know that Somerville is in good hands with you guys working there, and I'm excited to see what happens in the future for you all. And as we have done throughout the last almost year, uh, we'll still be visiting when we get a chance. and probably have to fix up, you know, for you when you get sick and can't preach, you know, like that one time in January. That's right. That's right. Where I then got COVID after that and have still had problems from it. So it's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, anyways, guys that are listening, uh, thank you so much for being on our fourth season, looking at the subject matter of Far Better Than Focusing On. We've covered 21 subjects and we've had over 16 to 17 different guests on the podcast this season, which is a wonderful opportunity to always sit down with other men and talk to them about their approach to Bible study and the particular topics. But I've got an announcement to make for season five, and maybe you'll hate it. I don't know. If you if enough people tell me they don't like this, maybe I won't do it. But I already love it. Um, I'm going to have no guests, I think, on season five. And I will go back to doing one season by myself. I've enjoyed having guests on since season two. I believe I really did most of season two with guests. And so the last three seasons have pretty much been guest saturated. And so I'm going to go back to uh, the roots of where the podcast began a little bit and start again with just myself. But if enough people are like, no, please don't do that. We don't want to just hear you then I will bring some guests on as well. But I will be doing several episodes next year uh, with just myself. Now, that's another thing. A new season will be starting on the Scattered Abroad Network. And also, not only will a new season be starting, brand new shows are coming. We have several new shows that are coming, and we announced a documentary that will be launching, hopefully sometime this upcoming year, if not in the year after. Uh, We're still in the stages at the time of this recording of filming and getting things produced and put together. So be looking out for that, though. The documentary is called Whatever Happened to Joe, and it is the first in the Scattered Abroad productions that we are hoping to produce and put out, and so we're excited for that. 
As always, we are thankful to you for taking some time. And remember, until next week, let's please God now so our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.